In this episode, we begin and end with an effort to tell the truth. We discover that aluminum foil has a purpose beyond the kitchen. We appreciate the varied nature of pearls. We travel across the globe and we visit a Lamaze class. All on the way to answering the question, will the real Christmas please stand up? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Okay, I'm clearly dating myself with the question. So for those of you who didn't grow up watching black and white TVs with aluminum foil wrapped around the antenna to improve reception, well, lucky you. Starting in 1956, there was a game show that aired on television, and it was called To Tell the Truth. The premise of the show was simple. Each episode had three guests who all claimed to be the same person, who had normally done something noteworthy. The celebrity panelists on the show would each get to ask the three contestants' questions about their achievement. The purpose, of course, was for the celebrities to figure out who was the genuine person and who were the two impostures. At the end, the host would reveal the truth by asking, would the real, say, Josephine Smith, would the real Josephine Smith please stand up? And she would reveal herself by, of course, standing. I recently created a video on YouTube in which I briefly talked about how Christmas is like a pearl. And there are three kinds of pearls, as I think we all know, imitation, cultured, and natural. And Christmas comes in all three varieties. There's the imitation Christmas. It's full of bright lights, shiny trappings, and Hollywood spectacle, all of which are wonderful and have their place and can be a lot of fun. I enjoy them. Imitation Christmas focuses on things like reindeer, elves, and Santa. Loads of fun, but of course they aren't the real Christmas. Then we have the cultured version. Now, a cultured pearl is a real pearl, but though it's based on the real thing, the process of its creation is so managed by people as to create predictable and marketable results. And there's plenty of this type of Christmas to be found as well. This happens when we take the Christmas story and we polish it to become something that's perfect and always filled with joy, the joy we all long for. This cultured Christmas is often found on sweet greeting cards by Hallmark. But the church can be just as readily accused of sometimes peddling the myth of the cultured Christmas. Just look at hymns like Silent Night. Now, it's a beautiful hymn, but the words, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright, if you ever heard these words without knowing what this song was about, you would not listen to these words and immediately say to yourself, oh, that's a song about childbirth. Finally, there is the natural pearl, or in our case, the real Christmas. It's the most elusive of the three. And we find ourselves very much in a situation like sitting and watching the game show to tell the truth. There are three contestants all claiming to be Christmas, and our job is to sort out which is the real thing. Quite a few years ago, the church where I was serving took a youth trip to Jamaica. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. 
because we heard this a lot. What other hardships did your youth group take on? Maybe a trip to the Hamptons or Aspen? Yeah, all of us who were taking this trip got that a lot whenever we would tell people that we were taking a church trip to Jamaica. First, this wasn't a mission trip. Mission trips are where you help the people of a community by going and doing work. This was more of what we would term a pilgrimage. We were traveling to study and learn from the ministry and work that was being done by the local people. As glamorous and fun as it sounds, we stayed at an old convent which had no air conditioning. Our luggage got lost in the airline. We washed our clothes in the sink at night, only to discover that the air was so humid our laundry never fully dried. So we woke up each morning and put on clean but damp clothing. We spent most of our time in Kingston, Jamaica, which is not the place you're likely to go and find the wonderful resorts for which Jamaica is so famously known. We spent a swelteringly humid week being taught by some remarkable people who were doing some really amazing ministry. At the end of our trip, we traveled across the island to fly out of Montego Bay. Along the trip, we got to go intertubing down a beautiful clear, cool river, and the scenery and experience were fantastic. It really is a strikingly beautiful country. As we approached Montego Bay, I was struck by a stark reality. We had stayed in Kingston and interacted with a wide range of Jamaicans. We'd got to experience a piece of what Jamaica is. As we neared the tourist town of Montego Bay and its airport, we began to see the Jamaica that's created for travelers. This isn't so much based on reality as it is a carefully manufactured reality that travelers are hoping and expecting to find so the resorts make sure to create it. I've been privileged to do a great deal of traveling in my life, and one of the things it took me a while to learn is that the truly elusive thing when traveling is reality. It doesn't matter where you are traveling. There is someone there who's willing to sell you an experience that is packaged as authentic, but is really there just selling you what the average person wants to find. I've been to Paris, and much of what I experienced there was no more authentically French than Disney World is authentically American. I've been to Africa and met local members of the Maasai people. It seems so authentic until I realized that the village we visited did nothing but receive visitors. The people we met were truly Maasai, But we weren't just dropping into a village untouched by the outside world. We were participating in a fantasy, which was part true and part myth, but created for us. Look, when you go to Mexico and you come home after having bought a sombrero, for the most part, the only one you've hurt is probably yourself. And maybe the unfortunate person on the airplane who has the seat next to you and your giant sombrero. Perhaps you suddenly realize that this giant memento of your trip feels pretty foolish as you're walking through O'Hare Airport with it in your hands. But you're the only victim of the everyone in Mexico wears a sombrero myth. But when Christmas becomes the thing we can't figure out if it's real, we not only diminish the reality of the story, we doom a huge portion of our population to experiencing the holiday with a sense of disappointment. I remember being in high school and having my guidance counselor tell us that these are the best years of our lives and we should be enjoying them. 
And there were indeed some wonderful times in high school that I truly enjoyed. But let me be honest, all in all, high school was the hardest segment of my life. I would never want to go back there. And telling high school kids that these are the best years of your life is a romanticized myth that is not helpful to people who are sometimes struggling through a difficult time. Christmas has likewise become a myth that is not helpful to a lot of people who are hearing the story. The cultured myth of Christmas is that this is a time of joy, happiness. The world around you is experiencing the perfection of this day with unfettered happiness. Why aren't you? Christmas is not a beautiful, peaceful, pristine day of unfettered joy. That's the cultured Christmas we tell each other. Christmas, the real Christmas, is a lot earthier. And that's because it has all the elements of life, real life. And that may seem like it's diminishing the day, but I think the opposite is true. If we told the story, the real story to each other, I think it would cause a huge number of us to enjoy the celebration of Jesus' birth so much more than we do. The real story of Christmas ought to be a combination of expectation, conflict, fear, pain, relief, and purpose. So let's take a look at the real story of Christmas. Advent and Christmas is the story of expectation. Mary is expecting a baby. And I have to imagine she's both excited and she's confused. This whole story of her life was not playing out the way she had watched with other women in her family and village. She was constantly enduring the whispers of family and friends as they talked behind her back about her unwed pregnancy. She was looking forward to the birth of this child, but no one around her seemed to understand the reality of her story. Her expectancy was tinged with being given the look of judgment by all the people around her. Scripture doesn't say it, but I am absolutely certain that the real story of Christmas was filled with conflict. We're told in Scripture that Joseph was required to go to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. But by law, Mary was not required to go. As we know, she was nine months pregnant, and it makes zero sense from a practical standpoint for her to make this 90-mile donkey trip while nine months pregnant. Now, from the experience that I have, when my wife, Sarah, was nine months pregnant, she would awaken in the middle of the night with surprise muscle cramps in her legs. She couldn't get comfortable enough to sleep well on a top-of-the-line 20th century mattress. I can't imagine putting her atop a donkey for a 90-mile ride at that point. So let me say this. You won't find this in Scripture, but I am absolutely certain of the truth of what I'm about to say. Mary made the decision. I suspect Joseph made the practical decision and chose to leave Mary behind as he made the trip for the census. It was Mary who responded to his decision by saying, Nope, I'm going. Joseph probably decided to do that thing that men often do. He got super rational and maybe just a little condescending. Yes, he explained to her why, Mary, this is not the logical thing for you to go on this trip. Mary then explained, listen to me. Neither of us wants this to be playing out the way it is playing out. 
But if you think I'm staying behind so that family members and neighbors can continue to whisper in my presence, and now all of a sudden they'll start talking about how you've suddenly disappeared, you are woefully mistaken. We are family. We are staying together no matter what. Am I being clear? To which Joseph said, Crystal. So the decision was made. I can't even imagine how much conflict they went through on that 90-mile trip. How many bathroom and leg cramp breaks does a pregnant woman need on a 90-mile donkey ride? I'm actually surprised they ever made it to Bethlehem. The next element of the real Christmas story is fear. They were in a place far away from home. And you would assume, since it was his family ancestral town, they would have family to stay with, but there must have been none because they were forced to bunk in the back of what served as a stable. Now, scholars believe it was likely a cave because in that part of the world, wood is expensive and in short supply, and you're not going to use wood to build a barn for animals. Now, some now, some stats to put things in perspective. The world in which we live today, a woman is 20 times more likely to die in childbirth in a developing nation than in the developed world. Now, you have to figure that a woman at the time of Jesus was at least 20 times more likely to die in childbirth than we are today. Mary knew the danger of the process. And even if Joseph knew nothing else about childbirth, he knew that lots of women die in the process of giving birth. So there they were, in the back of a cave, alone, uncertain, afraid. That was the nature of this birth. And did I mention pain? Christmas came into the world accompanied by pain. Sarah and I took a Lamaze class in preparation for our firstborn, and I remember the process well because it all felt so hypothetical. I remember even thinking at the time, I will do these things they're teaching me if my wife winds up with labor pains. Then, in the birthing process, the first full contraction hit, and her eyes turned wild from pain. The real Christmas story contains real labor pains. It was Mary and Joseph dealing with the pain of childbirth. And did I mention that they were in the back of a cave? Finally, there was relief, and there was joy. The child was born. I know we sing about how little Lord Jesus no crying he makes, but he came into this world like all kids. Gasping a lung full of air and then producing some ear-piercing cries. And to Mary, those were the most beautiful sounds she'd ever heard. He was alive and well. One of the interesting things about the first Christmas is that I think it was born in conflict and fear. And after Jesus was born, they had just as much difficulty traveling. They now had a newborn baby on the way back. But things were changed. Their child was born. They were united. They had a new common purpose in this child. And that changed everything. Christmas is not a story of everything being perfect. Christmas is the story of God taking human form and coming into the world just like us. 
through fear, conflict, and pain. And telling the groomed and polished version does such a disservice. God came into our midst the same way you and I enter into this world. Is Christmas Day not lifting up to your hopeful expectations? Let me say this. Don't beat yourself up. It didn't play out the way Mary and Joseph planned either. But that strange and unexpected birth says two things. First, in this story, God tells us, I was born just like you. I understand. I understand all of it. Your pain, your struggles, your messy lives, your hopes and your joys. I understand. The story also says, I love you. I love you so much. I did this so that you will know of my love. And that is the real story of Christmas. Chaos with a divine message of love and understanding for every single person across this globe and across time. May this holy day be filled for you with the real story of Christmas. That's all for today. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. I invite you to get in touch with me if you have a question we'd like for me to wrestle with on an episode. My email address is skypilot at gmail.com. Now that's skypilot with three T's, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T-T-T at gmail.com. Also, be sure to check me out on Facebook. Just search for SkyPilot FaithQuest. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. Thank you.